So, I uh, want to thank everybody for coming and uh, to our second shir on the Eish Kodesh. Uh, today's topic will be focusing on the Eish Kodesh as, an edu- as a Hasidic Rebbe and a Hasidic Rebbe that was also an, edu- an educational master. And I think um, the thesis I want to work off of is that the Piazetsna's entire um, vision of himself, his understanding of himself as a Hasidic Rebbe, as uh, somebody that was carrying on the tradition of the Baal Shem Tov and, uh, and functioning as an Admor, as a, as a master of a Hasidic court, was uh, all founded on educational theory. He saw himself maybe primarily as an educator. And I wanted to, uh, to just say that we... Um, I wanted to just say that we saw a uh, story uh, so we didn't see a story. As I was walking out of the shir last week, uh, one of the chaverim makshivim, one of the uh, people here, told me the following story that they heard, and I think it's uh, nice to open up with uh, the following. So there's extra sheets over here if anybody needs. The story goes like this: that uh, Rabbi Weinberger, who I mentioned uh, last week, is one of the great popularizers and one of the great disseminators of the Torah of the Eish Kodesh. Rabbi Weinberger uh, was telling people at the at the yard site, Shabbos, and they had a special meal uh, at Eish Kodesh in Woodmere uh, on Shabbos Parshas Noch. So he was telling everybody the following story. He says, usually when he goes to speak and when you're, I guess, a big person like Rabbi Weinberger, so this is the case. So he says, usually, you know, makes, makes his way out. You know, there's places to be and things to do and, and further people to help. And, uh, and ordinarily he, he, he finishes and he leaves. And he said that he was giving a lecture one time and he was talking a lecture. He was giving a shir and he was talking about the Ish Kodesh. And, um, and as he was leaving, as he was making his way for the exit, a certain individual approached him and said, Rabbi Weinberger, I have a story to tell you. And Rabbi Weinberger, uh, you know, hears many stories. And the person said, actually, my father... My father grew up in the house of the Eish Kodesh. Rabbi Weinberger said, okay, now you have my attention. And the person said uh, that uh, the Eish Kodesh was known in his house on 5 Novicki Street that uh, he would house in, the, in, this, in this, I guess, townhome, which had m- uh, many floors, as we mentioned last time. So there would be a group of orphans that he would put up and raise as well. And he said, my father was one of these orphans. He had lost his parents. And uh, it's, a, it's a simple story. To me, this is a miracle story, right? So we talk about miracle stories. This is a miracle story. So he said that the Rebbe, he said that his father one night, as he had been living in the Rebbe's house, there would be a room that the orphans would sleep in. And he said his father awoke one night and told him the following story after. His father awoke one night, his father survived, awoke one night and, uh, to, uh, to hearing somebody moving around the room. And it was darkened room, all the children were asleep, young children were asleep. And he awoke and he saw that the, uh, the Piazzetsu was going around to each and every bed and giving every single boy a kiss on the cheek and uh, a kiss on the forehead. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, dwelling over their bed and praying uh, for, these, for these orphans as he made his way around the room. And he said that his father told him that he pretended that he was asleep. Children are very good at doing that. And uh, he said that he, uh, he received his own kiss from the Rebbe and he felt something on his forehead. And it was a tear from the Rebbe, davening for, uh, davening for this orphan, davening for this child. So, so I think that that story... In essence, it's going to summarize everything that we talk about because we could say educational master, Hasidic Rebbe, but in truth that the, the, the Eish Kodesh was somebody that, that cared very, very deeply about the Jewish soul, about other people's Jewish souls. I know that uh, before we started this year, we were talking about Haftarecha Kamocha. I would say that Haftarecha Kamocha, this Klal Gadol by the Rebbe, uh, was functioned through love for Jewish children. And, uh, and recognizing the value and the supreme paramount importance of Jewish children uh, to our practice of Judaism. So that's the story I wanted to begin with. 
I also, uh, there's a small picture on the left and the top. That's a picture I've never seen of the Piazzetts, and it appears in Daniel Reeser's uh, monumental two-volume work that we mentioned last week. That's the Rebbe as a young man, roughly in his 30s. You could see... um, just a beautiful, beautiful image, beautiful, uh, uh, beautiful demustiukno uh, of the Rebbe. And uh, next to that, there's a picture of the Rebbe's, um, the Rebbe's signature. And uh, migrojisk, which is the last word over there. And I want to read uh, two two lines as hakdama to the Rebbe. And we have a lot to do, and uh, unfortunately. Fortunately, we could spend uh, all year, as I mentioned, but I, I really want to give Roshe Prakim, and I'll tell you why I want to give Roshe Prakim. So Rebbe says in Yiddish, in the Dvar Machadim, quoted by the, uh, by the publishers of the book Achshar Savreichim, which we're going to talk about at the end of tonight's year, the Rebbe writes in Yiddish, and you'll forgive my Yiddish, says, Dem ganzen oilem haltich tzub der yeshiva antich yeshiva, ant yeshiva halt ich, han, he says, the entire world, the entire world is really, for me, my entire world is focused on the development of this yeshiva. And the whole, all my energy is the entire world cir- uh, circulates around this yeshiva. It's yeshiva Stas Moshe, which he found in Warsaw. And he says, the entire yeshiva is focused, the entire yeshiva would be worth it if we just have 10 B'nai Aliyah, 10 Ten, ten people that come out of this yeshiva with this program that I'm trying to impart to them. B'nai Aliyah means people that are, that are rising up, people that see their lives as a constant progression and not just remaining stuck in one place but constantly reaching new levels. As the Navi tells us, I want to give you people that are walking throughout these levels. As I quoted from this past week from the Sfas Emes, so the Sfas Emes said, Lech lecha Avram vi, Lech lecha me'artzka, that Kadosh Baruch Hu is telling Avram one of the first messages to be a Jew is that a Jew does not satisfy, the Jew does not suffice with remaining on one level. A Jew continues to move from level to level, which is why, by the way, if you look at the Haftorah for this past week, the Haftorah contains the immortal words, It's not doubled in the Pasuk, but it's doubled in the song. It's sadik, it's like that U2 song. You, you can never find what you're looking for as a Jew. A Jew means to continue to move forward from level to level, to madrega to madrega to be a Ben or a Basalia, somebody that sees their lives as a constant progression. And when they see their lives as that you remain, to quote another song, forever young. And I'm going to show you what it means in the eyes of the Rebbe. And the Rebbe says also, and, and he wrote in his Tzavah that we looked in last week, in his, uh, in his will, and when he talks about the instructions for publishing and printing his works, the Rebbe writes, And when they go, please print my Svarim, and I beg of everybody from the Jewish people to learn and to study my books, which is what we're doing now. And the Rebbe says, I promise you, if you learn my Svarim, if you delve and you study and you connect to my books, I promise you that in Shamaim I will stand as a Melitzioisha, I will stand, <coughs> excuse me, as somebody that will be Omid Luschuschem, Yamad Lochol Beisim Zebahava. And may God have mercy on us, because Rabbi knew where he was writing these words. That's from the Tzava, the Ktav Yad Kodsho, of the Admar Shem Yikam Damo that was revealed with the Ksav, and that's the cover sheet. And I say that this might be the goal of the Yishiorim that we're doing here. There is no way 
that we could cover everything that the Rebbe says. There's so much fascinating material. There's so much that's not fascinating uh, necessarily on the surface, but it's important. The Nachutz, we won't have time for all of that. What I, if I could state the goal for these shirim, it's, is to bring the Rebbe to the fore. Um, uh, for me, at least personally, to be a little selfish for myself to connect to the Rebbe and to spend time with his works and to uh, and to and to to feel like I'm swimming in it. And it's uh, and it's. I have to say personally, uh, I felt this way with Rav Cook last uh, two years ago. I felt this way with the Baal Shem Tov uh, last year that, uh, that something happens to you when you spend focused and you spend time with the Rebbe's farm. You feel uh, ensconced. And, and, and I told you last week, I, you feel that his presence is in front of you. And uh, that's the idea to be a Zichron Kaddish and to open up for, and to encourage all of us to go ahead and to spend uh, our time after these shirim are over. Or uh, if you don't stay to the end of the shirim because they start to get uh, boring or tedious, but to go ahead and to, uh, to rely uh, on me at least to say that, uh, that it's worth to take a look at the Rebbe Svar and translations in English. Um, we're going to be learning in, uh, in, in Manhattan Day School. Our parents' learning is going to be Chovas Tamidim. I thought, what better uh, book to learn as a, as a principal, as a first-time uh, a first time uh, you know helping to, uh, to to make to make a school and to teach Jewish children so that 's what we 're going to be learning and uh, and when we learn that uh, we we can connect to something great that people should know that the Jewish people have leaders like this, so they were taken from us, but not to be that we don 't suffice with the disappointments of our current leaders we don 't suffice with the perpetual scandals that seem to some people to color contemporary Judaism that we have rich tradition that starts from Avram Vinu that goes all the way up to the Piazetzner and the hidden Sadiqim of nowadays for all of us to connect to and that's and that's that's something that should cause us to dance. That's something that should cause us to be mispile. So I want to say also that uh, the first book that we're going to look at is the first published book of the Rebbe. If you look, Aleph is Sefer Chovas Tamidim, Students' Obligation. That's this book. There's a translation out from Feldheim if everybody wants to look at it. Um, the first thing that you notice when you read Chovas Tamidim is the Rebbe has an idiosyncratic writing style. The Rebbe's writing style is such that it seems, and this is the way that I, I, I feel when I'm reading it, the Rebbe speaks in a kind of third person, but it's a respectful third person to you, almost so much so, and I hope this makes sense, but when you read it, you feel as if there's a group of people speaking to you and having some sort of an intervention. And what do I mean? Let's take a look at the beginning. Uh, this is the introduction to Chovas HaTamidim, uh, which is really addressed to the student. It's addressed to the student uh, who's, who's beginning, which is unique. Uh, I think, not, not completely sui generis, but it's unique in that it's a Hasidic work written by a Hasidic rabbi that doesn't use the esoteric language of Hasidus, but it's directed not towards the learned scholar, but it's directed towards a student. Although, despite the fact that it's directed towards the student, it is, uh, there is a, a, an introduction, almost like a teacher's note, that says, It's on the right paragraph in Hebrew. Shlomo Melech Amar Bemishlei. Shlomo Melech said in Mishlei, Chanoch Lenar Al Pidarko. You should educate a child according to the child's path. Gam Kiyazkin Lo Yasurimena. And even when that child grows into an older person, and even as they get on in the years, they will not go away from it. They will not deviate from it. Zeuhi Iker Hachinoch. This is the foundational idea of Chinoch. And I would hasten to add that if this is the Rebbe's conception of the Iker, the main part of Chinoch of education, then that is indeed the Iker. And if the Rebbe himself saw his Iker Tachlis, saw his main job to be an educator, so now we have the Rebbe's key line, the Rebbe's key 
line was that we have to educate Jewish people according to their path. Every individual is unique. Every learner is unique. Before fancy terms like differentiated instruction or going ahead and uh, putting like on your brochures materials will serve the needs of each and every learner in our community of learners. The Rebbe knew this. The Rebbe intuited this in the most honest and the most uh, direct sense. Shalobilvad nar nar. Not only when the child is young, viad aviv odat kifalov, and the hand of his parents, the strong arm of his parents are above him, yishma loviyasak mitzmosav, and the child will listen to their parents. Doesn't always happen. Viad aviv odat kifalov, yishma loviyasak mitzmosav, elegang shiyagdel vibureshuso. When a person is in charge of themselves and they get older, afkiyaskin loyasrimena, that learning, that girsu di ankusa, that learning that they imbibed when they were young will stay with them. What does it mean to educate? It's not giving instructions. It's not commanding alone. That you tell the child or the student, do this or do that. That's not what it's all about. And it's not just simply training and giving children rote exercises and behaviors to do. Hopefully that we try and inculcate to them here, become used to doing good things. It's not that. Bigger and greater than rote instruction or bigger than commanding or, or going ahead and issuing uh, directives is chinuch. Chinuch, the Rebbe goes on to say, chinuch is miloshan ha'aschala. Chinuch means to constantly begin anew. As we see by Hanukkah Sabayis, right? It's the, the inauguration. It's a constant inauguration, bringing a child from level to level to level and introducing new ideas, new concepts. V'shnei Eila. And these two things, Atsiva Vahergel, wrote uh, practice and command, Rakli Tashmishohim. Those are only tools in the hands of the skilled educator. Shehamachanech Muchrach Lehishtamish Behem. The educator and the instructor must indeed use them. Kidei Lechancho Hashem. But that's not the Ikra. What the Piazetsim was addressing is that the way that children were educated, I remember my Saba telling us, my Saba for the rest of his life, my Saba was a Tamachacham, but, but that wasn't uh, all he was. My Saba told us that in Satmar Cheder, what they would do, they, he memorized the uh, Chulin for the rest of his life. He had it down. So why did he memorize it? Because that was the first thing that they taught to the child. So that's an interesting question. Is that really what a child should be learning in the beginning? Should be learning Maseches Chulin? Mesaba said that he remembers that the Mechanech was a person that had, uh, he had a later Mechanech that he talked about uh, in the most glowing terms. He said some of his Mechanech were people that hang ups and couldn't do other things and they would hit them and they would take out the frustrations on the children and the way that they would teach children would only be to force them and to keep them on the straight and narrow and dare a child deviate from the straight and narrow then we have major problems, right? They won't get shiduchim, or we'll kick them out of our mostos, so we'll go ahead and we'll say that they're not meant for Torah, or Judaism Khalila is not meant for them. The Piazetzner is issuing a depth charge directly against this concept of Jewish education. Uh, do, not, uh, do not underestimate the, radica- the radicality of, of, of what he's saying over here. And this is the Iker of the Rebbe. If the Rebbe himself saw himself as a mechani, Chanoch Lenar Pidarko itself is the Iker of the Rebbe's uh, Iker of the Rebbe's um, his, his, the, the edifice of his teachings. Hi, question? Okay. And uh, I wanted to, um, I want to say that this is indeed true, that if somebody has strong, loving foundations in Torah, and, um, and, and many of us, we could think back to, to the great experiences, you know, we only hear about the bad ones, the great experiences. I think back to 
to the Rebbe Rabbi Spiegel in the five towns in Arshtibel, the way that he taught us what shul was. So when you think about that, that's the stuff that really stays with you. That's the stuff that, that sticks in your head so many years later. And, and the greatest joy in Judaism, at least for me personally, is seeing Gam Kiyazkin as one gets older, not just Lo Yasurimenu, but it continues to be a Chinuch. It continues to be something that becomes new, that you look at the Torah you learned last, you say, I never saw Parshas Lachlacha like this ever before. I never saw this Gemara like this ever before, this Mishnah ever before, or I never was able to read this before. It is a constant process of renewal. Rabbi Freifeld was fond of saying uh, in, one of, in his shiurim, Rabbi Freifeld of Shariyashev said, you know, that with Torah, one, you could see people nowadays, they could be young. He said, you meet some young people and they're so old. He says they're so old because they think they know everything. And they're so set in their ways. They're so, in his imitable style, they're so old. Right? And then you see some old people, people that are elderly and advanced in age. When it comes to Judaism, people that have been on that path, they're so young. Because there's constant renewal. They could go and they could learn a Gemara again. There's, there's, so, there's, a, there's so many experiences that are, that are ready and open to new. And I want to quote to you from... Nehemiah Palem's understanding and introduction to Sefer Chovas Talmidim, he writes in the left column, the outlines of the Rebbe's approach and introduction directed to teachers and parents addresses the failure of traditional educational methods. The answer is not more authoritarian discipline and rote learning, but imbuing the child with a vision of his own potential greatness and enlisting him as an active participant in his own development. How about that? The teacher must learn to speak the language of the student and graphically convey the delight of a life of closeness to God. The text itself constantly reminds the student of the powerful spiritual potential within him, that he is a descendant of the prophets of Israel and will return to prophecy at the end of the shiur today, and he must work hard to uncover the greatness inside. And this reminded me of the beautiful words and now a beautiful song of a contemporaneous figure who... Uh, it, if I had time, or I don't think it's out there, if I had time, I would love to write a comparative study between Rav Kook and the Piazetsin because I think that the affinities between them run so deep. Rav Kook writes in his Oros HaKodesh, you might be familiar with the song, listen to this and see how this goes, dovetails directly with the words of the Piazetsin. Here he says, Ben Adam, person, this is in the footnote, this is in the footnote six. Ben Adam, Alei Lemala Alei, Continue to rise up, continue to go up. You have a strong power within you. You have spiritual wings to, 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 to be able to, to allow you to ascend to the loftiest heights. The wings of mighty eagles. Do not, do, not weigh, do not rail against them, accept them. Because then they could stand against you. Take and utilize your spiritual powers. If you search for your spiritual powers, you'll be able to find them immediately. This is what the Rebbe is telling us. Each and every Jewish child, each and every Jewish person even an old person that is taking on the persona of a child, like Rabbi Akiva, for example, Rabbi Robinson spoke about in the Shabbos Tshuva Drasha, is able to take this concept and define within Torah the power of rejuvenation. Uh, t- just to read to you, we're not going to spend that much more time reading sections from Chovas Tamidim, but what do we mean by embracing youth and seeing youth as something of paramount importance, I want to read to you from an English translation. You don't have it on your sheets. an English translation in, uh, profe- in uh, Dr. Abramson's book. And this comes from the English translation of the obligation of the students. The Rebbe writes, listen to this. You love to pray, addressing a child. You love to play with your friends, to be wild and mischievous sometimes. Along we come, the educators, and approach you with the intent of depriving you of your childhood, making you silent sedentary, old before your time. 
This is absolutely not so. You will remain young. You will go on playing with your friends and you will still reach the spiritual goal that we've portrayed. You will just have to know how to play and to be wild and to realize and to have faith at the same time that God's kingship extends everywhere and that he sees everything, even your play. No matter how spiritually developed a human being may become, he must still continue to eat and drink and attend to his physical needs. Similarly, a child must play. What genius words, what a sensitivity, what an understanding of what Chinuch is all about. Baruch Hashem that we have this kind of a Rebbe. Let's turn the page and read. If you look at those images, those are two images of, uh, of Rav Hillel Zeitlin, Hashem Yikom Damo. We mentioned Rav Zeitlin last week. Uh, Hillel Zeitlin was a prominent literary figure in the interbellum years, writing extensively in the Yiddish uh, literary scene in newspapers. He wrote a review of, uh, of, of, uh, of the Sefer Chovas Talmidim that was, that was subsequently published in his book, a collection of his works called Safran Shal Yechidin. He writes the following thing. You can look at those two pictures. Uh, Zeitlin underwent uh, a spiritual transformation of his own life. I think reports of him leaving the faith are exaggerated, but certainly he had gone and uh, encountered different streams. That's uh, one picture on the top, the same individual as the individual with the big kippah right underneath that. Uh, Zeitlin was 70 one years old when the Nazis began to liquidate the Warsaw Ghetto. He was killed by the Nazis while holding a book of the Zohar and wrapped in a prayer shawl and phylacteries. After he had come back, he was somebody that had connected himself very, very deeply to Rav Kook, especially to Rav Kook and to Rav Nachman. And he was somebody that also addressed what he saw as the waning faith of Hasidic youth and Judaism in general, Jewish children in general, and he tried to take on a different tack. He wanted to go ahead and establish spiritual communities. He wrote a collection of essays in Yiddish known as Yavna, a translation online by Professor Arthur Green and uh, Ariel Evan Mays, I believe Professor now also. They translated it, so he was also concerned. He was a Kadosh who saw things like the Piazetzner saw and connected directly to that. And this is a person that I guess is fit to review the book. And I think he could give us a good sense of what this book, Chovas Tamidim, is all about. He writes, Admor, Adonenu Marenu Verabenu, which is the traditional appellation given to Hasidic Rebbe's. He says, when it comes to Piazetzner, it means Amon Pedagog, which comes from the first Medrash on the Torah. Amon is an Uman, is a creative, uh, nowadays it's invoked to say a creative type. He's a creative figure, creative individual, a master of sorts, a pedagogy. That was the Piazetzner. He says, the Piazetzner innovated one great idea when it came to the dissemination of teaching this is in source number two at the top of the second page. The Piazetzner was not wont to go ahead and introduce concepts of psychology, concepts of pedagogy, and modern ways of chinuch that he tried to harmonize uh, for the traditional mode of chinuch of education for changing times. All of this, all of these sensibilities change the Piazetzner from not just an amazing Hasidic Rebbe, but into a pedagogue, into a, an educator that was absolutely ahead of his time in the Hasidic world. The Rebbe was attuned and was wise to the changing of the times and the winds of change. And he 
he held that these changing times warranted a change in how we go ahead and approach Jewish education. Bedoras Akodmin writes the Piazetzna, Bedoras Akodmin Lanu Kolchinuch Shehuhayamolil. Right, because children were, they had no other choice. You had to listen to your teachers, listen to your parents in the shtetl. You had no other choice, there was nowhere to go. So we talked about the urbanization. There were many options now for a disillusioned Jewish child or Jewish adolescent. So he says that any kind of education would work. You could hit the children. You could do any kind of backward idea and thought that you thought would go ahead and would at least go ahead and count as chir lokein atta. That's not the case now. The job of a teacher is not simply to give over information. That's not what it is. To reveal the potential in a child. He quotes the Rebbe now. To reveal the potential, to reveal the, 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 um, the amazing powers that rest latent within the individual. The Helim that are hidden now, and to reveal it. Lidvarav continues. There's no real benefit to to punishments and to and to authoritarian commands. That's why the Admor held the held aloft the flag of individualized education and positive in reinforcement. The Rebbe, quoting again, the Rebbe says, earlier, any type of instructor or parent could just educate their children. They would inaugurate them into rote behaviors and they would command them. And the teacher or the parent that goes ahead and commands and is harsh and authoritarian with them and even hits them, they're the tzaddikim, they're the righteous ones, they're in the right. And the child, the child is the, is the wicked one. The child is the one that doesn't go along with it. That's not what it is nowadays. We don't accomplish what we want to do in Jewish education just by commanding. Rak meaning Ella Bechinoch. We teach them with Chinoch. That word again, the Rebbe takes it with all of, it, all of its, uh, with all that it, it contains within an amenonymic sense. Chinoch as, as an inauguration. Chinoch as a, as a renewal. Chinoch as restarting again and again and again. And that Chinoch is based and attuned to the unique ways in which every single child learns. And I was remiss in the beginning of this year, and I hope uh, you forgive me, our learning today is Le'ilu Nishmas Miriam Basimcha Moshe HaLevi. Our learning today should be Le'ilu Nishmasa and, uh, and, uh, and to raise a holy neshama up with our, with our Limerat Torah today. And I thank our sponsors for this year as well, who choose and wish to remain anonymous. So, so owing to the time, we're going to skip the next paragraph, which is another assessment, the scholarly assessment of the Sefer Chovas Tamidim in Toto. You could read it uh, as well. Uh, what's amazing in Chovas Tamidim is that the third and final section after the Rebbe goes ahead in his methodical way to outline to the student, directing himself to the student of how what their obligations are, right? It's not all... Right, it's right. We see over here the Rebbe is fully on the, uh, I guess, on the side. Not that there's sides here, but fully seeing things from the child's perspective. The benefit of the understanding over here is directed at the child. But 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 more than that, the Rebbe sees that that's predicated on an obligation of the student. That's the name of the book, the Chovas Tamidim. That a student, in order to receive this, has obligations upon themselves, no matter how young. That's an obligation. The third and final section of Chovas Tamidim 
is an introduction, really, to what the Rebbe develops later on in his later works in, in Achshara Sa'avrechem and later in B'nai Machshava Tova, which is the Rebbe's visualization techniques, the Rebbe's emphasis on the power of imagination, the power of the Machshava Chazaka, the strong directed thought processes we talked about last week. As, uh, as uh, Dr. Abramson writes in his book, he says, Hasidism encourages the broad dissemination of esoteric wisdom. That's part of the, of the mission of the Baal Shem Tov. But inclusion of this material, these methods in a children's book was exceptional. And I think that this speaks to the power of the Rebbe and that the Rebbe took children seriously. That the Rebbe took children and said children can be saddled with responsibilities, with obligation. That we have to take children seriously and they're not just to be seen as adults in potential, but that adults need to see themselves as children in potential. Need one moment, that adults need to see the child within in order to be able to accomplish something in Judaism and in life. And to see the latent maturity and the latent potential in each child, which is why the Rebbe maybe goes ahead and includes this. The child is meant to be taken seriously. Their needs are meant to be taken seriously. And our education of them is not just checking boxes, but it's something that it's envisioning an entire life, an entire uh, person in front of you. Hi, Racha. Um, so, math is not my best subject. Me neither. I added up Chinuch, and it seems to add up to 94, which is Tzadik Dalit, which is side. So it's, it's like you have responsibility in education to take the person's side. To take the person's so, so, look, I love that. That's, that's beautiful. Um, I think um, one of the things that I received from one of my mentors in teaching, um, she probably wishes to remain anonymous, so one of my mentors in teaching told me, told me that, uh, you know, sometimes if, a, you know, when a child goes ahead, this, this, this is practical, right? When a child goes ahead and a child, uh, the child misbehaves, right? So our immediate response, right? The natural default setting for the educator sometimes is to say, well, how do we revert that behavior back to the normal, right? Taking the side of a child or seeing the child first means first and foremost going ahead and saying, before we go ahead and correct the behavior, we have to understand why the behavior happened in the first place. What's the underpinning of it, right? This, that's part of a mature response, if you look at it as a, at a child, as a whole person, as a child, and not just an adult in waiting, not just an adult uh, that's, that's not just as, oh, they'll become a full person many years from now, but if you look at a child as a whole person, same way you would look at an adult, you'd say, why does an adult act like that? Or why is an adult doing something like that? And expecting a child has that, it's behelim. It's hidden. The job of the educator is to be sensitive to that, to take the, chi- the, the side of a child. I love that. That's beautiful, right? That's to take the side of a child. Anyways, that's, the, uh, that's, that's uh, so much for Sefer Chovas Tamidim. Uh, we only have an hour, and uh, I don't want to burden everybody, but that's Chovas Tamidim. The next Sefer, and I'm doing this out of order, in the trilogy of the Rebbe's, edu- in the Rebbe's educational trilogy. So Chovas Tamidim was the only one that was published in the Rebbe's lifetime in 1932 in Warsaw. The Rebbe had a trilogy. We mentioned Chovas Tamidim. After Chovas Tamidim is really the next stage in the process, which is when the Talmud, when the young student grows up, they become an Avrech. They become, uh, right, a Kolel years or, or a seminary years. That's when the child grows up. So the Rebbe wrote a book called Achsharis Avrechim. Achsharis Avrechim was meant in the Rebbe's writings to be merely an introductory safer. Now it's quite a big tome in its own right. Uh, but it's really three svarim. It's Achshar Savrechim was printed with Mevo Asharim and then finally Tzav and Zeruz. Tzav and Zeruz we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about next week. Achshar Savrechim was meant to be an introduction to the really what was supposed to be the second Sefer in the trilogy which was Chovas Ha'avrechim which the Rebbe testifies was in the beginning stages of preparation before he was killed. Achshar Savrechim goes ahead and develops the concepts. Once you've mastered 
once you've mastered what's, what, the material that appears in Chovas Tamidim, now you're able to move on to Bnei Machshavatova. Uh, now you're able to move on to Achshar Savrechim. And after Achshar Savrechim, then you move on to Bnei Machshavatova. Be that as it may, I want to go out of order a little bit, and I want to talk about Bnei Machshavatova, which is the following small contrast. Bnei Machshavatova is a very fascinating uh, work because it's not really a safer so much as it's an instructional manual. It is maybe the practical Hasidists, the practical Kabbalah, it's the practical expression of the teachings of the Rebbe uh, underpinning all of the other Sfarim. And, uh, and the Rebbe was indicating to us, I think, with B'nai Machshav which is meant, I think, for people outside of Yeshiva, it was meant for people that left Yeshiva walls. He was talking to somebody um, in general about uh, the state of education, you know, that sounds very grandiose, I was talking to somebody about education. And, and I was saying it's strange to me that in certain corners of the Jewish world, the, it, the feeling seems to me that the education, the chinuch that you receive only works if you stay in yeshiva. The second that you leave yeshiva, whether it's to the army or whether it's to go out and work or to do other things, the second that you leave it, all of a sudden, there's this great fear that everything that you learn is going to fall apart, it's going to be chorus the second that you step outside the yeshiva. I said, what kind of an education is that? What does that mean if that's all that you have? If, if, if my education, if I could spend 20 years under some educational system, and the fear is, is that it's not going to stand in my stead the second I leave the walls of the yeshiva or the walls of the seminary. Then what exactly is that education? What, how, could that, how could that be? Right? How could that be? So, so the Rebbe goes ahead, and I think what B'nai Machshav Tova is telling us that if you follow the methods, if you adhere to the Rebbe's educational program, then this is meant to, to stick with you for the rest of your life. And it's meant to be practical advice. It's meant to be something that you could do in practicality in your daily life. And that is B'nai Machshavatova. The reason I want to do B'nai Machshavatova now is because really B'nai Machshavatova began or was written before all the other books. The first edition or the first printings of B'nai Machshavatova uh, were disseminated, distributed by the Rebbe in Warsaw 1927. Uh, the Rebbe, it was typewritten, and the Rebbe put on the cover of the typewritten uh, documents uh, a prohibition against distributing it to anybody. He gave it to a select few of his Talmidim. There's certain manuscripts from that that are still extant. Uh, later on it was published and students write, there's a long hakdama, almost as long as the Sefer itself, that says why they allowed themselves and whose permission they received to go ahead and to distribute and disseminate it widely. B'nai Machshavatova, B'nai Machshavatova goes ahead and takes the Talmud and the Avreich, the individual, and says, now you have to become part of a community. And in this sense, the community is a circle. I'm fond of saying that, uh, that in Judaism, the real changes in Judaism don't happen with teachers and disciples. Not disciples, but circles. If you look throughout Jewish history, many of our spiritual leaps and bounds have happened through circles, through the concept of a circle of close, peop- of, of close adherence and adepts that go ahead and support each other. We see this, for example, with Rashbi and the Chavraya Kedisha uh, walking the mountains of the, of the Galilee in the second Second century, we see this with the Arizal in Svat in his mystical circle in the 16th century. We see this with the Balshemtov in the late 17th century in in, uh, in Eastern Europe. We see this with the Ramchal, uh, the Chacham Letzato, with his circle in early 18th century Padua. And finally, really in our times, we see this nowadays also. But but of course, Rav Kook and Rav Kook's circle of Talmudim as well in tw- early 20th century Israel. The Piazetzner Rebbe was going and encouraging those that had been through his program. Band together. I once heard from Rabbi 
for Rabbi Weinberger at the at a Shalish Shudis gathering. Rabbi Weinberger said, you know, everybody says you need to go to a Rebbe or you need to find yourself a Rebbe. He says the the Rebbe, the first primary Rebbe that a person has is the friends that you make, the friends that support you. That in our times with all the confusion that surrounds us, we are enjoined to help one another, to pick and to lift one another up and to, be, and to strengthen them. And that is maybe the goal of just to give you an outline of what the book talks about, the book begins, uh, even, the cha- even the chapter headings are poetic, to be honest. It begins with a commitment, a statement of commitment and adherence to the rules of the B'nai Machshava Tova group. Uh, there's practical advice for the framing of the group, how often to meet, where to meet, uh, uh, when to meet, in the nighttime particularly. Then there's uh, another chapter which, which talks about Torah as the foundation, lest you think that this is some sort of uh, uh, merely a support group. This is a support group, but it's founded on ideals of Torah and doesn't deviate from the Torah. Then there's the chapter on drinking l'chaim, uh, I guess a chemical... Uh, uh, chemical assistance to go ahead and to do this, but uh, the Rebbe took L'chaim seriously. Uh, I, I mentioned in our shirim on the Balshamt of last year, um, I believe is the Rebbe Riyatz. The Rebbe Riyatz, uh, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, wrote, he told everybody, he says, you know, sometimes this is graphic, but bear with me. He says, you know, sometimes when, when you, not sometimes, when you go ahead and you shech the behemagasa, when you shech the large animals, so in order to be able to have a clean cut, so, so the minog is, is that we wet the, we, we wet the neck, the, 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 the hide of the animal, and it, caught, and it allows for a cleaner cut. He says, that's to, that's to be able to be shechted, that's to be able to, to take life away. He says, to give life. He says when, when, we, when we receive life at a fabrengen or a tish or a, or a circle of friends learning Torah together and, uh, and serving Hashem together, he says it's imperative that we go ahead and we wet the neck a little bit with the l'chaim. And he says that's l'chaim and the shechita. It's a, it's a really, uh, it, it's a, to me it's a beautiful melitz, a beautiful idea. The Rebbe talks about l'chaim as a part of this. And then he has a chapter on song and dance as being part of this. And then he has another chapter on calling the name Achshava Tova, the camp of God's presence, that when these people come together, this Gemara and Brachas tells us to people that similar Torah, so the, the divine presence descends amongst them. We see, for example, in the rules of making a zimun, for example, that, the ch- that we change the nusach, we change the nusach, the, the text of the zimun, to allow for, uh, for a statement of even greater holiness and Gedusha, the more people are there. So in this circle, this is the camp of God. Then there's the one-on-one camaraderie. The Rebbe describes how, how uh, in the concept of Ish, to talk about your failings and to talk about your achievements and to have a support group, to have what, the, what, we, call in a, uh, what we call in AA in the 12 okay. Steps programs, a sponsor of sorts, somebody to go, at, somebody to go ahead and, and to help you connect to that higher power. And finally, uh, the Rebbe talks about the final practical advice is that uh, to keep a low profile. The, the, what underpins all this is tznius. He says, uh, don't, this doesn't need to be shared with other people, especially people who wouldn't understand the first rule of B'nai Machshavatova is we don't talk about B'nai Machshavatova. Uh, I want to read two sections from B'nai Machshavatova so you could understand what I mean if you look at source number three. Deep breath. Okay. <laughs> source number three. There's so much Please. to talk about. There's so much to do. I hope I'm making sense. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm not. Okay, source number three, V'nei Machshavatova, uh, uh, seven. Matratenu, 
our goal. This isn't new. Concept of the circle, as we mentioned, is not new, and it's not different from really the striving and the uh, and 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 the goal of really any Jewish person. What's our goal? Goal is to serve God. We want to serve God in a pure and honest and direct fashion, simple fashion, with all of our body and soul. And that not an iota of our of our of our yeshus, not an iota of, of who we are, not an iota of our powers and our abilities and everything that we have, our bodies, not an iota is meant to deviate from being ensconced within the aura and the and and the bubble of kedusha that protects us and enlivens us and enlightens us. So over here already, B'nai Machshavatova, the style of the Rebbe, and this is an amazing stylistic note, is that the style in B'nai Machshavatova, you could almost say it's a different author completely than the author in, uh, in Sefer, Chovas Tamidim, and even Achshar Savrechim. It's, it, it, it's a, a style where the Rebbe allows his full poetic, uh, his full poetic faculty to take flight, and uh, it's almost, I would say, uh, I hate this term, it's almost cookie in, in a sense, or one might say that of cook is almost Piazetsnerian in a sense. So, so we'd say, when do we feel close to Hashem? Not just when we're davening and not just when we're praying. Halavai. That we're benefiting from the glow of God's uh, splendor. Our goal, our aim, the goal is the soul. The goal is, uh, as uh, one of my friends uh, likes to say, the goal is the soul. Our goal is that constantly, constantly we have to go ahead and we have to um, we have to go ahead and we have to direct ourselves, to our, direct our thoughts to the divine at all times direct ourselves and direct our thoughts to Kaddish Baruch to feel God at all moments whether we're in the store, whether we're at the game whether we're going ahead or like the child at play, that's our goal the goal is to feel connection to God that's not just, uh, not just to be found in a shul I mean, imagine that. Imagine if you said that my goal is only that the only place I could feel a Kaddish Baruch is in Shul. So then you come to Shul and the rabbi's annoying with the drasha, or somebody's talking too loud, or, um, or you know, the davening, the baltfil, the baltkorizal, or, or somebody took your seat, right? Or you go to the shir and you don't understand what's going on, or the rabbi's talking too fast, right? You go there. So if this was the place I was supposed to receive spirituality, so what am I left with at the end of the day? If this was the place that I was supposed to look for, I've got nothing at the end of the day. Because that's the says the goal is to experience that feeling at all times. The goal is to experience that feeling whether you're on the slopes, whether you're on vacation, whether you go ahead and doing your chores, whether you're walking down the street and just like Rabbi Nachman told the students, just take a look up at the sky. The goal is to feel it at all times. Again, that line, Baruch Kshura so a strong, deep attachment to Hashem's Kedusha. In order for us to be able to overcome our senses. It's not enough that our instincts and our natural default settings, our, our senses go ahead and, and entice us and entice our thoughts to lead us astray. That tells us you're seeing the world. What you see in front of you is everything. That's all there is. You're feeling rain. The goal is to take our thoughts and take our instinctual, the, the natural way in which we would look at something and to go ahead and subsume that under a higher thought, under the, under the way of the heart, under the way that the heart should see the world. 
And if you do that, if you're able to accomplish this kind of God consciousness, so you could feel God at all time. The shul could be Broadway. The shul could be Amsterdam Avenue. The shul could be Central Park. The shul could be anywhere. That's, that could be the shul in the base medrash. What an amazing goal. And I want to say, I want to say an idea that I had about this is that if you read this line, how could it be, you ask yourself, and we're learning this a couple of how could it be that somebody who's lost everybody was saying Kaddish for no less than six close and immediate relatives by the time, by the time he, was, he was writing the Tzavah? How could it be that somebody that saw the destruction of everything, that realized, that realized what he was in, that still writes the Kodesh, that still writes this, this manual, that still writes this, another manual, which is what Ish Kodesh is, is a unified work, a manual for faith in God in the darkest of times, it's possible. How could it be that somebody could do that? The same person that did that is the person that wrote B'nai Mach Shavatova and obviously internalized the ideas of B'nai Mach Shavatova more than anybody else. The person that says, Olam Aniroa, a destroyed, a destroyed Judaism of Europe. My family is gone. Everything I've worked and built is gone. I, I, I'm hoping, I, I don't know where my daughter is. I'm hoping that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make it. That individual could write the drushas often without Sfarim, could go ahead and write, the only way that a person could go ahead and do this is if you followed the rules in B'nai Mach Shavatova. The person that internalized the ideas of B'nai Mach Shavatova was the person that could write the Ish Kodesh. The person that could look and say, this is my world, the Warsaw Ghetto, this is my world. Kosh says, as the Rebbe writes in one of the judges, Hashem is supposed to be miyasaras Yisur and Shalava. Hashem is supposed to give us struggles and pains of love. And the Gemara in Brachas tells us that struggles and pains of lunch means that us we could still serve Hashem. And yet the Rebbe writes, We have not, none of these things. That if, if, if a person, that's what you could see, that's what you see with your normal faculties, your normal, set, your normal instincts, that's what you see around. If you follow the program, if you internalize it to the level of the Piazetzner, so then that Machshava Chazaka could say that's actually not the world. The world is a mitzvah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And no matter how bad it seems around me, no matter how much I'm suffering, no matter how, 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 how dark this situation seems, complete, full, ensconcing darkness, no matter how bad it seems, that's not the world. The world is a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that's the person who could go ahead and could write another book, another work of Chinuch, which was Eish Kodesh. I see the work of Eish Kodesh as not, part, as not a separate work, but as part of the trilogy, part of the Chinuch. They told us first how to be Talmidim, then how to be Avrechim as we grow older, then how to form... Uh, intentional communities commu- c- conscious communities and then finally he told us and by the way when everything falls apart in times when everything is on fire here's the holiness that you could find within it here's how you could go ahead and you could still be an Eved Hashem still an instructional med- the P- the P- that's my contention never deviated once from being an educator even when he was writing the Yish Kodesh it's of a piece with the previous works as well I want to read Nusach HaKabbalah, and then I want to move on to, uh, to the end of our shiur. The Nusach HaKabbalah, the acceptance, I'm going to read in English. The Holy Fellowship rests on three things. Source number four. On the bonds of friendship, on the love of friends, and on the deep connection between friends. And therefore, even though we have all joined together in strong loving bonds of friendship, nevertheless, each individual should take a special friend for themselves to whom they should reveal the deepest recesses of their soul, whether in spiritual worldly matters, their worries and joys, failings and successes, and the Chavra Makshiv, that listening friend will provide comfort and advice, uplifting them as much as possible. I want to make one final note about B'nai Mach Shavatova before we turn the page, is that 
the first uh, manuscripts the Rebbe distributed in secret to his close Talmidim. So he sent one, he sent one to Eretz Yisrael under the care of his brother Rabbi Shaila. And he writes, and uh, students say in the introduction, Ki Ritzono Shemarana Mechaber, the, the, the desire of our master, that this work, this holy work, which Piazetsa probably saw as the culmination of everything he was working for, the manual to become a Piazetsa yourself, that, that work should be printed in the Ira Kodesh, and then he wanted it to be returned to him, just to be printed in the holy city. Eventually, in 1973, it was printed in Yerushalayim. Where did the spouse come into this? The spouse, so first of all, I don't think that the, I don't necessarily think that the work is even a gendered work. I think that uh, B'nai Mach Shavatova could be, right, yeah. right? This is women could do the exact right. same thing. Right. Um, but Piazetzner, I, I mean, look, I don't know enough as to whether or not I, I've looked through it, uh, let's say. Um, I don't know enough to say whether or not there's direct uh, words to spouse. We do know from biographical detail that Piazetzner was extremely close, learned Torah with his wife, in, uh, included his wife in all of his spiritual pursuits. No doubt that uh, maybe the closest friend one has that Piazetzner would contend is going to be one spouse as well. Is going to be one spouse as well. I don't know if it's explicit in there, but that's certainly my chush. If you take a look, so so uh, Professor Reeser provided for us the typewritten page of the um, of the first edi- of the first editions, not even an edition, the first copies of B'nai Mach Shavatova. Um, so I wrote on the on the right hand of the column. Uh, if you walk, al- if you, I know it's a bad uh, image, but it says Yerushalayim Yira Kadosh Tibanu V'Tichon Nein B'Meheir B'Yameinu Amen. Second line on Sheishlomeinu Anash. Our people, our group, wants to, they want to come together in divine service. The Rebbe says, and you could see the Rebbe crossed out from the typewritten, and he wrote, instead of nochachim, he wrote hanochachim, or grammatically correct. So the Piazetzner said that this book is a practical work. This isn't just a scholarly work. Maybe that's why it was meant to be kept secret, but... Now what can you do? People like me have their hands on it. So, so he says this was going ahead and answering the need. It's untranslatable title. The children of good thought. That this goes ahead with the Piazetzin's idea that everything in Judaism is predicated on where we direct our thoughts, which is, which is seen in Achshar Savrechim most prominently and at the end of Chovas Tamidim. Once you're able to have mastery over your thoughts, you could be a Ben or a Bas Machshavatova. For Achashaltimes, Hashem Osavakesh, Lachsos Benoam, Hashem Vakebechalo, we know this from Mizmor Ledavid. That we said throughout Elul, Matra Sahavraya Kadisha, the goal of the holy society, Tochana Emsaevatikanasa. So in this practical work, this manual, I've given you the rules, how to set up the group, what the what the goals of the group are, and what the processes that the group goes through are. Five, he signs Kalonimus Kalmish Ben Ravat Sadak Marin Rav Ali Ali Melech, Zekhar Tzadik, Kajsh Levrach, Chayolam Haba, Chasa Marin Marat Sadik, Marin Rav Yaakov Moshe Mikoshnitz. Hinini Oser Lahatik Mizah, if you see in the bottom in the Ksavyad, in the bottom left corner in the Ksavyad, Hinini Oser Lahatik Mizah Rishimos Kalonimus. I forbid anybody from, conti- from publishing or making any unauthorized copies of this Kalonimus. So now we enter into Hachshar Savrechim, the final book that we will see today. Hachshar Savrechim is this book. Hachshar Savrechim, the manuscript for Hachshar Savrechim, was found in the Ringelblum archive together with Drashos Mi Echidushe Torah Mi Shnos Hazaam, together with the work that would later on become Eish Kodesh. Hachshar Savrechim, 
sorry, Hachsharis Ha'avrechim, was published in Jerusalem, 1962, from a manuscript in the Ringelblum archive. I've produced a, a few lines from the Rebbe's Ksavyad, and then a later emendation that the Rebbe put in the margins. The introduction to Hachsharis Avrechim reads the following, Matras HaSefer, what's the goal of this book? is to prepare to prepare people's souls to serve Hashem in the ways of Hasidus. And to serve as a practical step. I mean, again, the Rebbe is not writing works just because, you know, people should know his Chidush Torah, or to go ahead and to show the world his genius, the Rebbe is writing works to help people. This is practical stuff. This is meant to be used. It's not just meant to be intellectualized. It's meant to become part and parcel of the way that a person functions in the world. So this is one further step in the Sulam of Chasidus. There's more explicit discussion of Chasidus than there is in Chovas Tamidim, which largely obscures the fact that it is indeed a Hasidic work. This is about preparing a person to indeed become a Hasid. Now I would say maybe, I would, I would wager a guess that the Rebbe is not just talking about an individual who is connected to a Rebbe or comes from a Hasidic family or identifies with Hasidus, but really, for example, uh, the Vilna Gaon was called the Hagon Achasidmi Vilna. This is what it means to become a person who has zeal, a person who serves God with alacrity, a person who serves God with deep passion, that's what Achshar Savrechim is. So don't just uh, pigeonhole it directly into some area. And there's the Ksav Yad Kadshu of the Rebbe talking about the central idea. If you look uh, at the end of the first line, I'll just read from the Rebbe's own handwriting, the Kedusha, the Rebbe's own handwriting in front of us. You see that word Kimo? The, the Vav is, is obscured at the end. In the, in the image, just as an p- individual is able to imagine, to conjure up in their mind's eye, a picture of a person or an image of a house, he says, the Rebbe is introducing the concept of the ability to direct and to use the power of one's thoughts to direct it, to be able to overcome their natural settings, their natural context, the natural world and situation that they find themselves in their milieu, that with the machshava chazaka they could actually clarify their thoughts. And I wrote on the bottom some of the central ideas just to talk about what appears in the Sefer because we cannot possibly hope to encompass the whole Sefer right now. But the concepts, maybe the central themes in the work Achshar Savrechim are Hislavas, the role of bringing oneself to excitement, in excitement and zeal for the service of God, the power of Dimyon, the power of imagination, the power of using the faculties, the imaginative faculties, and not suppressing them, as some might say. Nigun Vishira, the usage of song, the usage of music. His, I mentioned the Rebbe himself played violin. Hispa'alus, the ability when we're not feeling that, that a person could go ahead and could move themselves to that. Dr. Pelkovitz's favorite line, that we go ahead in a psychological sense, going through the motions like those experiments. If you smile, even if you're feeling really down and sour, a smile itself will be able to go ahead and to bring, one's, uh, to bring a person to, to, to happy thoughts. This power is to bring oneself to feeling his, his slavas. Machshava, the power of thought, the power of deep introspection. Hisragshus, uh, the power of emotion, sadness, happiness, encountering oneself 
one's emotions, not being ashamed or embarrassed of one's emotions, and cultivating and reflecting upon them. And finally, also processes of meditation and ashkata, which becomes very important later on. Uh, Professor Tzvi Leshem, who is uh, one of the librarians in the uh, Sholem Library in Tel Aviv, uh, so one of his first uh, one of his first essays. He later on wrote the full doctoral dissertation on the Piyazetz Rebbe. One of his first essays talks about the Rebbe, uh, Piyazetz Rebbe, as a as a meditative model, especially as as he's being as he's used nowadays in modern meditation. Nechemya Polen, we return to. Uh, I couldn't give a full overview of the work, and I'm conscious of the time, so we'll, we'll finish up. Nechemya Polen writes, Rabbi Shapira places great emphasis on employing the imagination in the form of machshava chazaka, intense thought, which involves focusing on specific mental images and scenes designed to bind one's bodily emotions to a sacred matrix. He suggests, for example, imagining oneself at the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, going into the courtyard, passing the altar, and finally standing at the Holy of Holies. There are passages where Rabbi Shapira takes one on a guided journey of a visit to a Rebbe, a Su'uda Shlishit, third Sabbath meal, a festival, returning to biblical motifs, he has us accompany Abraham and Isaac at the Akedah, or the children of Israel at the Exodus from Egypt. If you did it, if you closed your eyes and you found enough quiet, we could do it too. The guided imagery is vivid and detailed and designed to awaken the spiritual sensitivity of the reader. Such creativity, a mon pedagogue, right? The genius of a pedagogue here. Uh, but to write that that's not enough. The Rebbe says, and now we'll learn a passage from inside Akshar Zavrechim. The Rebbe says, and this comes after a long discussion of a prime setting for engaging one's imaginative faculties. The Rebbe describes how one should conduct the Sudashli sheet with the lights off, with your friend sitting next to you and feeling the, the power of that Jew that's sitting next to you. You should know and engrave in your mind. You shouldn't be mistaken. Make no mistake to think that our intention that when you arrive at Shalosh don't think now that after what I've told you that when you find yourself at Shalosh Shudas so now's the time force yourself come up with some uh, imaginative journey in your mind it doesn't come like that you can't force these things and I would say at all other auspicious times of spirituality is to connect to God and to pour out to God your soul that's your intention he says don't think that the way that it works is you have the imagination stuff and that's going to go ahead and accomplish it because that's really nice and it makes and it speaks to us that's not what it is the point of all of this the starting point the foundation of all of this is that we have a God and it's our job to pour out our souls to God and to connect to God the imagination comes from that I want to finish with the line of my own thoughts and, uh, and with this we'll finish the shir in the box this is a uh, this is my summary, I guess, of this week. Much like Ruf Cook, the Piazetzner, I wrote it down just because I knew I would mess it up. The Piazetzner believed that prophecy had not ceased. It was just transferred from the individual to small groups of adepts, receiving divine inspiration as a group. As the Piazetzner himself writes in Chovat Tatamidim in the translation, this is also the case in Hasidism, which is the revelation of the tiny spark of prophecy that exists within each Jew. It is impossible to explain Hasidism with the intellect. Remember what we said at the beginning? To remember that we are B'nai Nevi'im. Every Jewish child, every Jewish person is a descendant of prophets. This always began with children, I say. Untainted and unspoiled by the pain and travails of adulthood. The Rebbe was always focused on children. As Rabbi Aaron Sarasky 
Biographer the Rebbe describes his daily routine, and this is printed in, in, uh, in Dr. Abridson's book. Rising before dawn, the Rebbe would engage in deep study of the Talmud. When the time for the morning devotions arrived, the Rebbe would make his way to synagogue where he encouraged children to crowd around him. Just imagine now, let's use our imaginative faculties and imagine this scene. This is before the Warsaw Ghetto. The Rebbe would make his way to synagogue where he encouraged children to crowd around him in a semicircle and recite their Hebrew prayers aloud and with great fervor. This was the source of some consternation in the adult worshippers. The Rebbe ignored protests for decorum, seeking instead to nurture the spontaneous ardor of youth. Not decorum, but devekus, to connect to God. Next week, we'll be uh, continuing with the Rebbe's spiritual diaries, his early... You said, you said...